know, I'm just stoked to be part of it with Matt and Chris, and uh, you know, pretty honored that they're here doing the shaping contest of one of the boards that I rode. You know, it's it's super cool to be part of that and uh, to see what it became. You know, really, you know, the fish just really took off from, from what you know me and Chris and Matt did, and yeah. uh, you know, and Andy was part of it too. So it, it was it was a lot of fun, and, and it was just good memories in, in my life. And, That's the voice of Corey Lopez discussing the mid-90s and a pivotal moment in surfing where one particular board design and a very small group of people altered the way waves were ridden. Welcome to Surf Splendor. I'm your host, David Scales. Today's episode, 5.5 by 19 and a quarter, was recorded at the Boardroom Show in San Diego, California. The Boardroom Show is the world's largest consumer surfboard show. The show's director, Scott Bass, places a heavy emphasis on the craftsmanship involved with board building. And it's in this spirit that the show is centered around two main shaping competitions. The Icons of Phone tribute to Ben Ipa, which will be the subject of a future episode of Surf Splendor, and then the Chunk of Foam Challenge, which is the focus of today's episode. The Chunk of Foam Challenge, sponsored by U.S. Blanks, is a throwback to old-school board building. Four contestants are tasked with replicating a specific surfboard. To do so, they are given nothing more than a block of foam, a very limited supply of tools, no measuring devices nor outlines, and a time limit of three hours. The board they are required to replicate this year was the classic Lost Round Nose Fish, also known as the RNF 55 by 19 and a quarter. Each contestant was only allowed to physically hold the board for 90 seconds prior to shaping. Once their three hour shaping window began, they were no longer allowed to touch the board. The entire experience takes place inside a glass windowed, fishbowl styled shaping bay with fans sitting on the bleachers watching every move. This year's contestants were Chris Christensen, Mike Estrada, Hank Warner, and the first ever female to compete at the boardroom show, Kelly Connolly. We'll hear from each of them in today's show, along with the shaper of the original round nose fish, Matt Biolis, and the original test pilots, Chris Ward and Corey Lopez. Thank you for listening to Surf Splendor. We're glad you found us, and we hope you enjoy today's episode. Just two kids having fun. That's all it was. What's your favorite lost video? Mm. Oh, Ward and Corey at um, Logs. That one where they're going crazy. What's your favorite lost video? Probably the one, um, probably the one when him and Corey are talking about their fishes. <laughs> five, five, nineteen and a quarter? Yeah, I mean, I just like the part where they're like, my fish, my fish, I like the little surfing of my fish. Yeah, it said a lot on how their, their state of mind was. <laughs> I think people forget five, five, you know, the, the film. That shit was, what, 94, right? 94, 95? Uh, yeah. The board design was embraced by Lost two key team riders, Corey Lopez and Chris Ward. Lost compiled footage of the two over the course of a year and then released a film entitled 55 by 19 and a quarter, which became an instant hit solidifying Chris and Corey as household names and casting a spotlight on lost partner and surfboard shaper, Matt Mayhem Biolis. Oh, simple. I hadn't had one thought about any kind of fish concept at all. And then it was like the fall of 94. Chris was on the North Shore. Chris Ward, he's like 15 at the time. And he calls me and he's like, Tom Kern's riding a board that's called a fish. And it happened to be a, it was, he was, Tom was riding a Tommy Peterson fireball fish, which was actually 
It's really just a wide swallowtail thruster with a pointy nose. But um, a year before that, I think it was, Rip Curl released a video with Tom riding a proper Steve Bliss fish, like a San Diego fish, on like one foot waves in New York. And I think Tom on the list and on the fireball were the first two little rumblings that we had seen of a, let's say, like a fish thing. And Chris tapped into it immediately. He loved Tom Curran, you know, and uh, Chris was like, make me a fish. What the fuck's a fish? So I went to a couple local surf shops and looked at old 70s and early 80s boards on the walls. Went to a couple restaurants that had boards hanging on the walls. And ended up leaving with a kind of a concept of an MF, kind of like the late 70s MR twin fin type board. And with that in my head, I just shaped a little twin fin with a, kind of a wide, roundish, pointy nose and a little pulled in swallow. And made him a board. And when he came back, he, for some reason, I gave it to him in Hawaii and he ripped on it. And then Corey calls me, he goes, I want one too. So I made probably three or four of them that winter. And they were telling me how easy it was to paddle and catch waves. So I started making myself some that spring, 95, and realized how much easier they were to ride. Um, I think where I got lucky was when I went looking at boards on the wall, I saw more like the MR inspired kind of wing swallow pulled in tails. If, and I think that's really what made the board work better is the tail ended up being like 14 inches wide, like a normal shortboard tail at the time. And you could control it rather than like a big kneeboard, Steve Liss, retro King Garden kind of fish, which really came into prominence three to five, eight years later when that explosion happened. And our board had a pulled in tail that you could actually commit to turns and push really hard. Um. The dimensions that everybody knows, obviously, are 5.5 five by 19 and a quarter. What kind of thicknesses were you doing for them? The one that they're copying today was the oldest one I could find when Scott came up with the idea of, of doing the our fish. And that one's 2 and a 16th, so it happened to have a really thick deck. You got to understand, at the time, all the boards were hand-shaped. I was young. I wasn't, like, technically a very good shaper yet. Mm. Um, so it, the, the thickness just came out what it came out. Gotcha. I knew I was making boards for a couple of 15-year-old, 16-year-old boys. Right. They didn't need a lot of volume. The rails were full. So I would say the board we're copying now is two and a sixteen, with the rail of almost like a two and a quarter board today. Um, I think along the lines of just kind of culturally, in hindsight, what that did for surfing. I mean, the video was probably the main marketing tool for you guys? Yeah, that was two years later. The video was two years later? The video later. didn't come out for two years. Okay. Yeah. During that two years, was there anybody asking for that board? Or oh, was it yeah. We probably, made, we probably made three, four hundred of them oh, between okay. 95 and when the video came out. But then after the video came out, we probably made three to five thousand. Yeah. How, how similar is that board there to the current version of it? Is there... Mm. Uh, has it evolved since then, and what is the evolution? Yeah, I've probably done eight or ten different versions okay. over the years. You know, we kind of categorize them as like the late 90s, the early 1000s, the 2005, 2007. I haven't released a new version of it with any with any work put into it design-wise since about 2009. Okay. Um, but I would say right now, the, we only make them for custom orders. Shops don't really stock them. And we probably get as many custom orders for the one, this one, which we call the Roundless Fish Classic 97. Um, we get as many orders for that as we do the 2009. Um, looking back, what do you think that video and that style of surfing that Chris and Corey were doing on that board, what has that kind of done for the evolution of surfing? I don't know. Let the historians decide that. Matt Biolis of Lost Surfboards. The first shaper in our chunk of foam challenge is Huntington Beach's Mike Estrada. I remember the video. Mm -hmm. I, I've never, I've, I never really rode one, but I, rem I definitely remember the video. What was your impression of it? Well, it was kind of cool because um, at that time, you know, that that was right when boards. I think people were starting to accept. Uh, 
um, a little bit different designs. Like for instance, Tommy Curran was videotaped riding a shorter board in Big Surf, and right. and and I think you know that that the, the fish board that Matt made was kind of a little bit inspired off that Tommy Peterson fireball fish. Mm -hmm. So. It was kind of cool. It was kind of a transition point, I think, in surfboard design. Explain that transition in terms of the way that people actually surfed. Like, what were people surfing like previously, and after that design innovation, how did guys ride waves? Well, I think that uh, basically people were kind of, we were all riding pretty much the same thing, you know? It was just kind of squash tail, shortboard tri-fins. And it, it was kind of like that, that way, you know. And it, fishes have always been around and stuff, but for you know, for Kern and then Matt to, to do this thing with the shorter boards and have the guys like, you know, uh, Wardo and, and Corey Lopez ripping on them. I mean, obviously that that's a huge, it, you know, going to have a huge influence on people. Actually, you know, people are wanting to ride that. You know what I mean? They right. Ride it. So, uh, from a shaper's point of view. Normally it's like, you know, small boards like that work well in small waves, but Chris and Corey had a lot of success in that movie, riding them on the North Shore and pretty yeah. sizable surf. Yeah. From a shaper standpoint, what do you think it is about that design that allows it to perform well in both small and big waves? Well, I think it has something to do with the tail pulling in back there for drive, I think. Um, and then, uh, you know, I, I've always, felt that no matter what board you get used to riding, you can ride it, you know, generally those are designed for small waves, but you can ride a board that's designed for small waves and bigger surf once you get used to it, and depending on how, how what your ability is, mm -hmm. um, and people are doing it these days with, you know, fish designs that, you know, that that we manufacture, they're like, oh, I, I you know, it's for small waves, but I ride it when it gets big, you know, and big in California is not, you know, big unless you're talking Mavericks but yeah yeah um, yeah in general you know once you get used to that and you have the, the, the forward volume for paddle in the in the outline so if you can get into a wave um, quick you know even if it's a heavier bigger wave if you're into it quick and you're on your feet I mean people are proving that you know yeah. smaller boards even at the wedge or they even look at boards are riding at pipeline these days right. just smaller boards fit into the wave what was the experience like shaping in the chunk of foam shaping bay? It was awesome. It, yeah. was, it, was, uh, it was a great experience because I think, you know, I've been shaping for 25 years and it's a test of your, of your ability to put that to, to work, you know what I mean, without your normal tools that you use right. or even templates. So it really, you really had to um, think about what you were doing, not so much going to autopilot. Usually when you go in the shaping room, you're on autopilot yeah. and you're you're just like boom laying templates down you know you know i you know people ask me oh how long how long does it take you to shape a, a shortboard well i grab a u.s blank that you know has my custom rocker in it i can shape a shortboard in an hour you know in under an hour right but that you know you got talking about milling a chunk trying to get the tail just right you know the the volume in the tail versus the nose and where you outline the board in that blank it was it was a challenge probably that was probably one of the hardest things I've had to do lately is in terms of um, shaping. Is there any added distraction just having eyeballs staring at you? Well, I was kind of stoked because I was the first one on Saturday, so it was cool. Uh, people started filtering in, so I had a chance to kind of whittle down on mine before um, people actually started uh, coming in. Cool. Yeah. Because I, I, my, my whole philosophy on, on gunning out a board is get rid of as much of that blank as I could, so I was kind of chopping it off in weird places, and it looked kind of probably archaic and weird, but, you know, once you get down to a certain point, then I like to get that foam down, and then I start. It's easier to work with it. Right. Um, final question. What was the last board that you personally rode? The last board I personally rode was my... I've been riding four fins uh, since 2007, and I, I surfed uh, Newport last week, and I rode a uh, 511 19 and a quarter wide uh, four fin squash tail. Nice. Uh, epoxy board. Yeah. Oh, okay. Perfect. That's Mike Estrada of Estrada Surfboards. His website is estradasurfboards.com and we'll also have a link to it on surfsplendorpodcast.com.
As you heard from Matt Biolis, the whole genesis of the lost round-nosed fish came from Chris Ward being inspired by some of the boards he saw Tom Curran riding. I asked Chris to tell me what exactly he witnessed. Yeah, we've seen Curran shape a bunch of these boards that he just thought of off his top of his head. And he was shaping I don't know himself. if he got it from his dad because his dad was shaping too. Pat Curran's an amazing surfer legend shaper. And so I think, I think you know, that came in the blood with Tom. And, and Tom, I was influenced by Tom's boards and what he was riding. And um, he was just getting barreled out, out at, you know, his local breaks and at Hero on this thing. And it's like, I want something like that. <laughs> Is that that footage? <laughs> In the movie, Akira, or yeah. he was riding a longer board there, maybe. No, it was a little bit longer, but it's something that he he invented on on his own, like yeah. by cutting cutting the nose down, um, bringing the wide point up, right. and um, you know things like that. Hand drawn templates and stuff like that. No, it's not hand drawn. Are you using curves? That's not at all. You don't use any curves. It's all eyeball. Right. A pair of scissors. That's your curve. Yeah. Hold it out and look at it. You got any bumps? Even them out. It's all like you, you, you've shaped before. I don't even shape a surfboard. Well, you can make a template. It's too easy. Yeah, it is too easy. What, a big wave? Little wave? Mm, 6'4, so something that can handle a pretty big range, you know, basically zero to six feet or eight feet, depending on where you're from. You have to visualize it in your mind. Close your eyes and see it in your mind and visualize it and then tell me what now, you see. We've got to here's what we're looking at. We're looking at a symmetrical outline. If you're looking at it face up, if you're looking at it face down, you want to pull the nose a tiny bit so that your planing surface in the nose would be about 11. And then you cut it out and open it up and look at it. And then you see both halves. It's hard to make a half template. You don't know what you got. Yeah. You make a full template, you can walk around on it and look at it and go, well, that's too full on the nose or it's too skinny. And then you can fucking make another one or you can make it a little narrower. You get the curve right, then you can move it from side to side. All right, George, I think we've got here. Did I say? When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. The things they say turn me away. I, say I was about 15, no, actually I was about 14. And um, yeah, I came up to Matt and, you know, I wanted something that worked as as loose as my shortboard, but something I can like actually slide out easier on, but not and but keep the momentum and the drive. Something that was really loose and fun, like I could just go out there and just be like, oh, like turn on a dime and or just do a 360 like that, and you know, and then it evolved into like surfing bigger waves on it. And me and Corey started surfing log cabins and off the wall on them. 
and then found out that they worked really good in the barrel. So um, I just kept on ordering. I told Matt, you know, make it a round nose and, you know, like kind of like the front of a longboard because there's so much planing area up there that you get so much speed. There's no rocker in the nose of a longboard. And to integrate that into a, a shortboard, but with the round nose, that's what the longboard had. And so he integrated that with the shortboard tail, made it maybe made the tail a little bit wider than a normal shortboard tail, but with um, wings and a swallow, so you could actually uh, tread, uh, cut the water, and, and still it'd be loose and responsive, and still have the drive. And so somehow it evolved into the five five nineteen and a quarter, and we're just getting these boards out. We're just amazing, and we could ride them in anything. We rode them in. And one foot surf all the way to like uh, eight foot surf. And it, they, it makes sense that they would work in one foot surf. Why do you think it works so well in like powerful Hawaiian surf? I have no idea. <laughs> I just do. Ask any barrel rider. Um, yeah, just you know. I, you know, I think I think why because a lot of boards, you know, when they have a lot of rocker, they push water. Right. And these boards don't push water. When you're on a fish, you're on a board that has less rocker than any standard board. And it's not pushing water, you're, it's like you're, you're just gliding. And there's nothing stopping you. There's no rocker to push against. There's no resistance. It's always wanting to go, go, go. It's like having your foot on the gas, all the way down on the gas pedal once you drop, drop in. So once you drop in on a wave, on a fish, rather if it's, two foot to eight foot, the bigger the wave, the faster you're gonna go because it's it's going with the momentum. You're, you're paddling in, you're going down the steep of a wave. You're going about freaking 100 miles. It feels like you're going 100 miles an hour and you're such a small thing. But um, the aerodynamics of the nose has changed and now they have a little bit narrower ones and we have the V3 and something that um, caters to people that want a shortboard like fish. Right. And so that's what the, the, um, the new modern technologies have, that aerodynamics to be able to have that same speed but that same looseness and have that feel of what we have then. That's lost surfboard team rider Chris Ward. In true Wardo fashion, directly after our interview, he packed some surfboards in a parking lot, drove straight to the San Diego airport, where he caught a last minute flight to Brazil for the prime event. He landed in Rio while the first heat of the day was already in the water. He then drove two hours to Sacarema, just in time for his round one heat, which of course, he advanced through. Our second shaper for the Chunk of Foam Challenge is Kelly Connolly. Her label is called Everyday Surfboards. She lives and works out of Los Angeles, California. I've lived in Santa Cruz before and you, you just, I've lived at the beach before and you just kind of get isolated to your one spot. So we shape at home and then at a glass shops in LA, my husband shapes as well. So it really allowed us to surf a different variety of waves yeah. depending you know you can go to Rincon and to Trestles and you know the same amount of time so right. it's broadened that for me nice. which led to shaping a variety of surfboards so hence the surfboard for every day of surf because it changes so much makes so. sense yeah um, getting into shaping like how did you get into it and did you work under anybody or did you have any influences us uh, so I what started it for me was in Big Wednesday, I saw bear glassing on the pier. Yeah. You know, that like, it was in like fifth grade when I okay. saw it. <laughs> and I was like, wow, like the transformation of it was so cool. And then, you know, years went by and I just started surfing more and more as I got older. And then I was working on furniture, refurbishing it and working with tools. And that's probably where it came in handy, allowing me to do what I can do shaping and I met uh, Richard Wiz, he's a shaper, and asked him if I could just watch him shape just because I was curious about the process. And then when I watched him shape, I was, like that one moment where all the angles get blended and you're like, oh, a surfboard, you know, yeah. like I could ride that. You know, yeah. like that moment just clicked for me. 
So then I asked him if I could do one, you know, and he'd help me. So he would do half and I would do half and then we'd switch sides, you know. Okay. So I kind of got used to the tools and that one came out great, you know. And he's like, yeah, I think you have a, you know, the eye for it, the feel. It takes a certain finesse with it. Right. So I just, one after another, here's one for my dad and my friend and another one for myself. And then I looked online to see other female shapers thinking that there would be a lot, a you know. Of yeah, I just thought it would be the same. I thought yeah. it'd be the same for guys and, you know, in their own ways. And there were really, like, the only one I found was Ashley Lloyd right. in Santa Cruz, because this is about 60 years ago. So there's more now. But uh, it was just like, whoa, what? You know? <laughs> Why do you think that is? I think it's just like a lot of sports were, just okay. male dominated industry, you know? Yeah. It's just like Lisa Anderson competing in surf competitions, she had to go in with the guys. Mm -hmm. It just didn't exist, you know? Mm. I don't think it's because they can't do it, it's just, yeah. how does it happen with any, you know? It's yeah. just, just still, or maybe it's still trickling down the effects of it. Uh, are there any special challenges you feel that you face as a female shaper? I don't think so. I mean, obviously, there aren't many female shapers, so it's kind of getting yourself to be taken seriously mm -hmm. and not just like, you know, it's easy. I've heard a lot of trash talk to okay. about myself as well, but most of it, I'd say 95% of it has been very encouraging, you know, mm -hmm. and people are really stoked on it. But so I'd say just that, like, I think that's why I went slow with my boards like they just kept it really small because I was like I just want to when I go out there and do it I want to be able to do it I don't want to I knew that I would be picked apart like for this going in there as the first female everyone's watching mm -hmm. and I just wanted to f do it like and maybe it's not the best of the best but it's the best that I could do mm -hmm. and so like I came here three years ago here to this show and I was like I want to be in there in that glass booth I told my husband and here I am, you know. Did you reach out to Scott? No, Scott this? asked me to do it. Amazing. Yeah, he contacted me. And so I was kind of nervous because I was like, oh, I'm not ready to do it. Yeah, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> I would love to do that. But like, can I have like a year or, you know, and then you're, then I thought and I'm like, well, what, I am ready. You know, yeah. it was like, so then it hit me like, you know, I, I actually can do this, right. but cool. I That's never thought story. about it. Did, um, what was your exposure to the five, five, 19 and a quarter round nose fish? Prior um, to this? Yeah, do you remember like your no, first exposure? That's to it? what's really hard for me for this one compared to the other guys shaping. I mean, I've been shaping six years. Some of these guys have been shaping 43 years, you know, and they could have that board in their garage for yeah. all I know. I've never seen that board. Really? Ever until right now. Okay. I had, like, I saw Google pictures <laughs> and I read about it, and my husband's a little older than me, so he knew about it, you know, like when. Cause he's all, yeah, RNF five five nineteen and a quarter, and I'm like, okay, so I have to go like look and see what it is. Yeah. And he's all, I talked to him on the phone. I'm like, yeah, you know, they asked me to do this competition. You know, like it's this RNF. You know, and I'm telling him what it means. It means round. And he's all, yeah, yeah, nineteen and a quarter. I'm all, how did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I know you shape, but like, how do? You? And he's all, yeah, everyone knows it's a classic. It's like da 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 da. Well. And then I was it's like, the oh. only board that I can think of that is known by its dimensions. Yeah. Everybody might know what a Mark Richards twin fin is or a Simon Ander Anderson thruster, yeah. but those had variation in dimension. This is the 5.5 five by 19 and a quarter. That's, yeah, that's like, the Nobody name. even that's knows it is the round nose fish. They know yeah. it is the 5.5 five by 19 and a quarter. Yeah, it was funny. So for me, for my, I guess it's a generational thing or, you know, it's like, I think for what I know about boards, I go a little before. Mm his generation like I like I like the Mark Richards I like the older like retro right and then I see and I ride modern boards mm -hmm. and I blend that kind of together in my mind of how I surf and how I shape so I think I I'm still learning a lot yeah. about it because before I just like wrote it it wasn't such a and maybe it's a little different for males and females and how like I know like a lot of my guy friends it's a lot of the detail and the numbers and they know and I had never paid attention to any of that it was like I just wanted to go out and surf right. and then like you know just right. but then I know when I started paying attention to all of it it's just like what's the difference in these quad fins and you're like yeah yeah what's the difference and then when you know the difference you're all what do you mean what's the difference right, you know it's right. just like it's all relative so Talk I, I knew a little bit but I didn't 
Talk to me about your awareness of Matt Biolis as a shaper. What is what was your awareness of him coming into this? I've since I was a little kid, I always liked his boards. I don't like. I'm sure when it was when I was younger, it just was the name. Or I remember one that had a fly next to it, it was like a fly and lost. But I remember being like nine years old and had posters on my wall of it yeah. of his boards. So I, it's been something that I've been. I don't know, I had a little history with her, you know, like... Did you get one a chance to meet him? Today I did, yeah. Oh yeah, he was in my room. Cool. How was that? <laughs> he had his beer and I was like, give me some of that. <laughs> don't come in here with a cold beer. <laughs> As you're sweating. Yeah, he's all, you know, uh, don't overwork it or, you know, yeah, yeah. okay, whatever you say, you yeah. know, anything you say goes. Awesome. Um, what was the experience like actually shaping a chunk of foam down to the 5.5. Five. I think it's changed the way that I shape boards. I won't ever, it's, you get the close to shape, or the rocker's already in the foam now. You yeah, know, so you're exactly. just kind of used to that. I don't use any CNC machines. I haven't before, so everything I've done has been hand-shaped. But I, that's one thing that I, I guess it's like a crutch, but I am used to having a rocker and picking through, like, this is what, you know, the, the EA is this and you know like yeah so that was different for me to have to measure rocker but you couldn't even measure it so mm -hmm. then <laughs> that was a challenge there let alone having to measure it but then you can't measure it mm -hmm. so that was hard but it really made me look at surfboards and I think differently I think it's the difference of you don't know the difference in fins or a single fin or a hard edge or a feature it made me look at it just to a different level of right. so it's changed me i think it made it for the better you know awesome i'll always remember it <laughs> are you gonna ride a board like that now oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> um final wrap-up question uh what's the last surfboard that you've ridden uh it's an 80 pintail with uh it's pretty narrow with a lot of belly in the bottom mm -hmm. with a big flex fin on it it's been one of my favorite boards i've had two foot waves on it and i've been barreled at pretty steep waves that are well overhead on it, which I never thought that board would, I would take it out there, but it actually holds in really well because it's so narrow as so I can like okay. hug the face of the wave and it's hard to ride a board that big, you know, where yeah. you would normally be on a yeah. performance shortboard, you know, it's, right. it's hard to ride those, but it reminds me like a little more classic, you know, like how they used to have to do it. Right. That's Kelly Connolly. We'll have a link to all of our information on surfsplendorpodcast.com. Corey Lopez was the co-star of 5.5 five by 19 and a quarter. While Chris Ward may have planted the initial seeds of the round nose fish, Corey Lopez was equally important in providing Matt Biolis with feedback on the surfboard. I mean, really, a lot of all the, the stuff we did with the fish, I mean, a lot of it just came from Matt, you know. Matt Matt was, was shaping me and Chris all the boards, and, and uh, you know, I remember getting a couple boards, and we tweaked a couple different things, you know. We were having problems with some rail digs or something like that, so we tweaked the nose a little bit. You know, we actually brought it in a little bit more from being, like, super round, and, uh, you know, I felt like that just made the board better. But a lot of it was all directed by Matt, you know, because me and Chris were just young kids in and just kind of didn't care what we wrote almost we're just like whatever matt's making us sick boards and matt would like be like here how do you like this one what do you think and me and chris were like yeah it's sick or like no it sucks like, but uh did you have any awareness of the fish design prior to that like did you see anybody riding it i really didn't before matt gave me those boards i i had it and i remember when i got them i was just like kid in the candy store just loving those boards you know the, the riding the fish was so fun for us back then it's just we really almost rode nothing but the fishes for quite a while, except for in competition, you know, we were riding our regular boards. So, um, yeah, that says a lot right there of how much fun we were having on them. I feel like the first footage I remember seeing of it, obviously probably from the movie, was like kind of mushy, crappy waves in Hawaii, though, that were like actually kind of big, though. Yeah. What were your first experiences riding the boards? Um, you know, I, I think we started off surfing a lot of, like, T-Street, actually, on them. Oh, okay. Like, just little, you know, around St. Clemente, of course, because I was, you know, I was sleeping on Matt's couch back then, and uh, and Chris lived in St. Clemente, so, you know, we started riding the fishes in St. Clemente, just playing around on them. 
But then everyone saw the stuff we did that winter in Hawaii, you know. We went to Hawaii and we were, we were riding the boards there and real waves, it's it's way more fun than riding them in Sea Street, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, I feel uh, like you usually like uh, ride bigger boards and bigger waves. What was it about the fish that worked so well in kind um, of the power of Hawaii? Well, you know, it, it's a fine line riding a fish in big waves, you know, you're because the big wave and getting the board to hold right, so it really takes a lot of uh, adjusting your body to to fit the board in the wave right, and, and, and all it's all about angles, you know, you gotta have that right entry, and the long fins definitely help with, with holding the board in, you know, when you ride those those old fish we were riding, had the two big twin fins that were, uh, you know, that, that really helped hold the water and hold the rail and, and keep the board in the water, because, you know, nowadays a lot of the fishes aren't having the big fins, they're having just, they're going like a regular tri-fin or a quad, but I don't know, you know, it's, there's a big difference there between riding a quad or just riding a twin fin as the big fins. Um, you know, we're good. We're surfing log cabins a bunch in some pretty big days, right. and uh, and the boards work work well. You know, you can see sometimes where we're struggling to get the bottom turn in. You know, if you watch the video, you'll see like on the bigger waves, it's like got to get the bottom turn in, and that's the hardest part is yeah. getting that first bottom turn and get in the barrel. Once you're in the barrel, you're sweet. But um, sometimes on those late drops, you're trying to hook that bottom turn in. You know, but, not slide out. Yeah, not slide out because you're on such a small board and you're going so fast. But uh, that's what's part of the fun about it, is the challenge of, of getting the board to do that. Right. You know, and anyone can ride a fish in small waves, but yeah, riding in the big waves is definitely taking it, you know, where you're really challenging yourself as a surfer and, and seeing what you can do. Do you still ride that round nose fish? Yeah, yeah, I probably got three of them in my quiver at my house right now, so. How different are they from the board that's out there? They're really similar. They're, they? uh, the nose is, you know, they're a little bit different, but no, they're, they're pretty spot on, I mean, I ride the Rocket a lot now, which has a little bit more wider nose, but, uh... But the current round nose fish is pretty similar to that old one? These ones have more pulled-in nose. I don't know, back then I was liking that pulled-in nose a little more. But, uh, the, the new, a lot of the newer ones have a little bit wider nose, you know, kind of helps for planing and paddling and things like that. Right. But, um... I, I, don't, I don't think... I think I could get on that board right there and it still works fine. Follow Corey on Instagram at Corey Lopez. Our third shaper in the chunk of foam challenge is Hank Warner of Pacific Beach, San Diego, California. Hank is by far our most experienced shaper among our contestants. I, I make boards that are 11 foot all the way down to 410. Guns. You know, I've, I've been shaping since 1967. Uh, I don't use a computer. I don't have a CNC machine. Uh, every blank's a different board that's custom made. Uh, you know, it's just somebody else in the industry that's, you know, making a lot of boards. Right. So I, I don't know. What was your experience actually in the shaping bay today, spending three hours with all the eyeballs on you and stuff? How was that? Well, uh, you're, you're kind of like, removed from it because you're so focused on what you're doing but it's pretty different when you are in a different environment um, I would say I shape almost half the time with the overhead light there's no overhead light in there so I was just kind of struggling trying to go through the motions uh, you know I thought you know five hours had gone by and only 20 minutes had gone by you know so stuff like that uh, it's pretty pretty intimidating to be in there with people watching but you really don't notice anybody outside the room you know and the room's hot right one thing the one thing I'd say about this chunk of foam challenge is as long as the reason why I consented to be in it was as long as there are shapers that can still take a block of foam and shape a surfboard surfboard shapers still have a chance over the machines so you know I, I know I'm kind of you know down to only like 300 boards a year after I've done like 1,200 a year, so right. I'm on the phase out, but I'd still hope that there'd be people that could shape a board without you know, computerized. Do you think it'll ever phase out completely, or do you think there'll always be a... I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think that uh, people that surf will always want to try to make their own surfboard. As long as there's access to the materials, uh, there'll always will be people doing it, but, uh, you know, Somebody's got to make a board for the computer to want to copy, and that's going to be done by Hannah Hope. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I think so. 
I don't think I don't think handshakes will ever go away. You know, I think there's enough of a respect for the craft. Well, to me, it's just manual labor. That's oh, really okay. not art. It's not. It's not a craft. It's just manual labor. You're like digging a ditch, and yeah. you 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 shape negative space, and you labor like we did in that room today, and you do the whole thing. And there's, there's nothing uh, nothing magical about it, really, because I think a surfboard is almost like a car. You get used to someone's clutch. Muscle tone adjustment, the brake, and you can learn to ride it if you want. The whole thing about being a custom shaper is the psychological warfare to make that person think they're really getting something special. And then, you know, be attentive and be able to do it. And when they say they want something different, like we did in the, uh, the challenge here today with the block of foam, you can actually take the medium and carve it into what they wanted you to copy. And that's what we were aiming at. So, you know, that's... Translating their need into... Yeah. A piece yeah, of foam. Absolutely. Yeah. Final question. What was the last board that you rode? The last board I rode is a 6-4 Hydrodynamica that I shaped, like 22 inches wide, made a, made out of EPS, double winger, swallowtail quad. Uh, that's what I like. Hank's website is hankwarner.com. Our final contestant was the winner of the Chunk of Foam Challenge. Originally from Cerritos, California, but now a longtime resident of San Diego, Chris Christensen. So yeah, I, I started shaping in 90, 1990, 1991, somewhere around there. And um, obviously at that time we were all, you know, doing NSSA, strictly thrusters. Um, and then when the 5.5, five, 19 and a quarter by 2 and a quarter video came out, I had just gotten a skip fry at the time. It was the first board I bought since I started shaping. And so that, I remember that video really inspired me because it kind of proved that, you know, you can, you can tweak modern equipment. These guys were ripping them in Wyoming Shore Break to, you know, all over the, wherever, all the, I don't remember all the spots there, I Port Escondido everywhere. And it just showed that, um, that there wasn't really any limits to twin fins and other designs. You know, you didn't have to just ride thruster so that that era like the 94 was when um litmus came out mm -hmm. andrew came film with uh with um derek hein riding a skip fry fish and 95 is when the lost 55 19 and a quarter by two and a quarter movie came out and that was kind of that was kind of the start like the pivot point where you know it opened a lot of eyes so um yeah how did it influence the boards that you were making at the time? Did it or? Um, no, it did. I actually, I was, I was riding that skip fry that I had for almost a year. And then I saw that video and then I started tweaking with twin fin designs and rounding the noses off like what Matt was doing. And, and uh, so yeah, it was, you know, you mix in a lot of the, like what Mark Richards was doing in the late 70s, so all throughout 80s even. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I was, I was definitely inspired by that design. From a shaper's standpoint, what do you think it is about that board that, like usually small fish like that work really well in small waves, mm -hmm. but like you said, those guys were riding it, Corey and Chris were riding it in Hawaii mm -hmm. in pretty heavy surf. Mm -hmm. What is it about that design you think that works well in both conditions? Well, it's it's the clean outline, the curve. You know, boards with lots of curve handle a lot of you know a variety of conditions. So um, I think really people are just brainwashed that twin pins are for small waves, and that's not the case. Steve Wisden designed the the twin pin fish, you know, the original keel hauler fish for small waves. I mean, they're doing push the limits at Sunset Cliffs in good waves, um, and so I've I've kind of I've, I've always been against people thinking that fish designs are for small waves or not. Because you know? that'd be regressive. Why build something that's regressive? Yeah. Did you ever ride one of those boards from Biolis? No, I didn't. But um, I think I'd like to get one because actually Matt Biolis and I are pretty good friends. Mm -hmm. We've um, been hanging out a lot together. We both have um, second homes up in, in the Sierras near Mammoth, so we snowboard together and hang out a lot. I got a shaping room up there. Nice. And we both actually, he ordered a board for me, and I've been thinking about, well, what am I gonna do for him, order from him? And actually, yeah, this, this is the board I'm gonna order from him. Nice. And the cool thing about the design he did, I mean, it's kind of a, it's 
It's a timeless design. I mean, he's still selling today, so that, you know, what is it, 15, 19 years later, 20 years, he's probably designed him 20 years ago, right? So that says a lot about the design that it's it still looks fresh today and, yeah. and, and progressive and not regressive. What, uh, what was the experience like shaping in there for three hours yesterday, the chunk of foam challenge? That was, it was a challenge. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm a pretty fast shaper and I needed every bit of the three hours. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I guess the blank they was 11.3 is what I'm guessing. We couldn't tell what it was, but not having any measuring devices or templates to work with. You know, I had the 90 seconds on my board, so luckily I got a bunch of freckles on my arm and I, I used my index finger and different freckles on my arm as my measuring points. And then everything else I just eyeballed, you know, so it was cool. It's a good test, you know, like, and it just shows that you don't have to. I've kind of always, I've always been a good friend with an eighth of an inch. So, you know, it's not all about what the tape measure says. It's, it's more what your eyes see. So it was fun. I, you know, I didn't nail it, but I gave it my best stab and um, taking a guess at how thick the blank was, everything. It was hard because you can't really measure the thickness at all, you know, right. so. I kind of remember what the catalog said, and I was kind of guessing it was 11.3, but I lost count of how many strokes I was taking on the planer because it took me a full hour to get the blank down to the thickness I thought it had to be, and it took me another full hour to outline it. And uh, yeah, usually by then I'd have two and a half boards done. <laughs> right. Well, you don't have to have it precise, you just got to beat the other people. <laughs> yeah, the other one's good, and then, you know, I ha hats off to everyone doing it with um, Hank Warner and. Kelly and um, Estrada. Mike Estrada. Um, that's you know I was really impressed with Kelly that she was able to you know, you know in the, that amount of time I needed every bit of the three hours and she finished the war too so yeah my hats off to her yeah it was cool she's in there hustling for somebody who's reading this or listening to this that um, has no awareness like what that fish that five five movement was can you kind of break it down what did that do for surfing. How were waves ridden before and how are they ridden after? They kind of, that 5.5 five, and when Derek Heiner's riding that skip five fish, that was kind of the beginning of just opening the floodgates to alternative designs and surfboards. And now you see it on tour where, you know, Kelly's riding multiple fin boards, really short boards, wider noses, everything. It all started from there, you know? and. And it's not so much it was like a brand new design or anything, but it's basically taking what we learned from the past and um, what we know now and, and blending the two, you know, so. Kind of a closing question, what was the last board you've served? I know you've read probably a lot of different equipment, but what was the last one you read? Uh, yes, I, was, I served Friday. <laughs> Friday, I made a 5-4. Um, I'm actually good friends with Daniel Thompson, and him and I actually built a board together, so I wrote this 5-4. Um, kind of the rear end was a Daniel Thompson-inspired template, and I templated the front end and finished the board, so it's a four-fin, 5-4. Similar dimensions, actually, is 19 and a quarter by 2 and 5 sixteenths. I'm getting older now, I need a little more thickness. Hmm. Funny, coincidental so, that it's yeah, yeah. Um, I saw somebody talk about that board on Instagram, um, is it available for sale, or how do people? The one that it? Daniel and I did. Yeah. The yeah, yeah. Version. Where you can get them from either one of us. That's okay. a cool thing. So it is cool. Neither one of us are in the competing or anything. So. Congratulations to Chris Christensen for winning the 2014 Chunk of Foam Challenge. Chris's website is ChristensenSurfboards.com. just opening a bunch of doors, you know, people could actually um, just go out there and have fun and not worry about being so serious about shredding on a shortboard. They can go out there and just mess around on the fish and get loose and also get barreled and, you know, all in all, at the end of the day, they come in and have a good, great time on, on the board they rode. It's that, that's what surfing's about, is going out there and having a great time. Do you still ride around those fish? I still do, and every time I grab it, I just think I'm, I just know how much fun I'm gonna have on it, and so that's why I do grab it. I see it in my quiver, and it's a small, fun, glassy day, and you're just like, yeah, okay, let's just go out there and have a good, 
good time on the beach or you know I'll, I'll go out there and catch a couple waves you go out there and catch a couple waves you're like damn I'm so glad I brought my fish today because <laughs> sometimes they'll show up and the waves will be flat you'll go out there on the fish you'll you'll somehow just get some fun waves I don't know it's just like something it's like I don't know it's something that you always have to bring down to the beach with you it's like bringing a beach umbrella on a hot day and it's 90 80 90 degrees out you know To see footage of Chris Ward and Corey Lopez riding the Lost Round Nose Fish Classic 55 by 19 and a quarter, visit our website, surfsplendorpodcast.com. If you're a new listener, we have a full archive of past episodes available for free. Episodes with Chris Cote on the fallout of Transworld Surf, Sean Thompson, Eric Arakawa, Morgan Mawson, Aaron Chang, and many, many more. We've updated the music archive on our website with an embedded Spotify player so you can listen to the playlist of music from each and every episode, which is a feature I would have killed for in surf videos of my youth. If you listen to the show in iTunes or Stitcher, please make sure to rate and review the show. That helps our ranking and helps others to find us. Lastly, as always, please continue to share this show with friends. Email it to them, tell them verbally, or share on social media. This show is completely free, but it's your small investment in the future of Surf Splendor. The more listeners we have, the larger guests we'll be able to attract, and the more shows we will be able to produce. Thank you to Scott Bass and The Boardroom Show for an amazing weekend. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week with an all-new episode. Until then, this is David Scales for Surf Splendor saying, Aloha.